I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Amit Mann. Thank you for tuning in. Please do rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on uh, YouTube and Apple, Spotify, all across the board. Joining me today is a very special guest, and I worked with him a little while ago, a couple of years back when he was playing with the Raptors, and his colleague, Harrison Sanford, always had an intro prepared for him. So I'm going to do my best here with one of my favorite songs, because this man deserves it. Here we go. Can you hear that? Uh, There you go. Introducing long, a three-time <laughs> NBA champion. Now a 76er. He played with Timmy D. He played with Kawhi. He is the other guy in the trade. Danny Money Green. <laughs> and well, that's and the Harris intro right there. <laughs> yeah, it was. He had more details usually in his. <laughs> it's been a while since I, I forgot about that. The intros with the with the uh wow i forgot all about that man with the instrumentals exactly i was looking at one of the last episodes you did with uh, with harrison and he he used a different song and you actually asked him because it was this was after the parade you asked him live like can you call me the other guy in the trade did i <laughs> yeah I, I don't remember that that's so long ago it's a while ago man yeah, it was. How are you, man? How are how are things? I know you're in COVID protocols right now, so I guess we'll start with with that. Just how are you feeling? Everything good? Everything's good, man. I'm I'm I've been lucky. I'm fortunate. Uh, it's the second time around that I've caught it, and nothing major, no real major symptoms or no real major illness. Um, we're pretty. Obviously, they changed the rules now, five days, so we're clear in that. But the team has not cleared me yet, so we're waiting on the NBA clearance and team clearance to be able to play again. But as of right now, I'm on day eight or nine. So. Yeah. So you're, you're getting there then. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you missed that uh, game in Toronto the other day. That that's okay though. Mm-hmm. But just sticking with you for a second, like how are your, how are your dogs doing? I know you got married recently. They're great. Yeah, they're great. I'm with them right now, but yes, we did. It was a great summer. Um, the dogs are doing well. Everybody's good, man. Family's good. Family's healthy. Uh, knock on wood everybody's good when um when we had phil handy on in toronto for the inside the green room podcast he said that Mm -hmm. he was calling you danny the dancing machine green and Mm -hmm. i saw some videos on ig and it seems like you unleashed that person at your wedding which was awesome yeah i mean that was something that i guess the college days but you know everybody during that time you have fun man um you can't not let loose. So, you know, we enjoyed ourselves. I enjoyed myself and everybody wanted to see the, the college dances from then too, but they also wanted to see us, you know, just have a good time. So it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. We had a blast. I had a ball and, you know, it was a time to bring out, you know, some of the moves if you have any. 
And but that's the thing, though, is that you do have moves. Where did this come from? Because I saw some of the other guys that you're dancing with. I mean, yeah, they're your boys, but you were clearly the superior dancer. So where did this where does this stem from? Is it a family? I don't thing? know if I'm I don't know if I'm the superior, but I, I want to we have so coming from New York. That's that's what a lot of guys do there. Um, growing up during my era, there's a lot of different dances from, you know, Harlem dances to Jamaica and Trinidad and like a lot of different, you know, reggae. We dance to a lot of different music. So hip-hop r&b but that was the thing when you're a kid you know uh, when you go to parties we couldn't yeah. drink or anything when you're young so you know we had and go, those who weren't like i guess in well some of us were in unfortunate situations but you, you know you weren't in gangs you were doing you know other types of things other than you know being violent so to battle each other on the dance floor was the thing you know for the good boys i guess for the good guys staying out of trouble yeah for the guys staying out of trouble good thing you stay out of trouble it obviously served you well, three-time NBA champion. I've been um, lucky. Yeah, for sure. And so speaking of the champions, I mean, let's we'll start with the elephant in the room, a Nick Nurse term right there, is that mm. you decided to, to not get your ring. I mean, you're in COVID protocols anyways, unfortunately. But um, mm. yeah, you decided that you were going to wait until, I guess, April to get your Raptors championship ring. And it's been a lingering story. There are a lot of memes about <laughs> how, how yeah. long you waited to get your ring. And well, I just want some of the details behind like, you know, what was what were the pros and cons behind your decision? Well, it was a luckily it was the right decision because I, I had no idea I was going to be COVID and, and protocols. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, either way, I would have had no choice. But you know, I made the decision right before I got in protocols. So which made it even more seem right, because first it was like, you know, only get 50 percent of the fan base. I was like, all right. To me, I don't care to be celebrated. Uh, I just want to, you know, I'm not saying get it over with, but. I like to just play basketball and not worry about anything else. But my, my friends and obviously Harrison home, he's like, you know, you're not going to win that many. You never know. Hopefully you win more, but this is the last one you have a chance to celebrate. You have a chance to get the LA one the right way. You know, this is going to be the last one you're going to receive to do it the right way. So that's true. I mean, when I think about it, mind you, family coming in out of across the border, they, you know, the, the Canada, the rules in Canada now are getting more strict. They might get stuck. They might not be able to get in. They might have to quarantine there. Um, you know, it's too risky. Um, you know, and then my wife was starting to get sick. So I was like, all right, let me, uh, let me, uh, postpone it. And the next, you know, I got sick. So it, it was mm-hmm. the right move, but it just, so I said, if it was up to me, I probably would have tried to make this thing happen a long time ago. Um, the bubble was not an option though. So we got it shut down right before, like a week before we were supposed to come there. Then the bubble, it was not an option. We we're going to do it there. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to do it last year, but they were in Tampa last year. So. That wasn't, and they didn't leave it. They didn't have it in Tampa. They left it in Toronto. And, you know, to get people to come to from Toronto, to help, you have to quarantine, get, it was too much. So we're like, we're just going to wait till it gets back to Canada. And, you know, obviously this was the year, they back in Canada playing, but everything shut down again and, and COVID happened. So um, hopefully April things will clear up. Yeah, no question. There's a lot of details in there. So the ring was in Toronto at the time? <clears throat> yes, when they were in Tampa, the ring was in, yeah. in Toronto. That's a big deal. That's a, that's you can't get the ring then. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it was a little sense. hard to do. Yeah, uh, no question. Did uh, have you talked to like Raptors management about what was going on there? Like I know again, like you you weren't going to be able to do yesterday anyways. But um, had the, had they weighed in at all on you know you deciding to, um, to wait? Until they April? they were. Um, I guess they were on the fence too. But it, they were either way. They were like you know whatever I wanted to do. Um, so they respected my decision. They thought that was probably best as well. But they were like, if you want to continue on, we'll continue on. We'll do this. But we came to them first. 
and let them know it's probably smarter to postpone. And they're like, yo, we'll be happy to. And then, you know, unfortunately, everybody on the team there got COVID and everybody, a lot of people on our team got COVID, including me. Um, so it would have been the same. The guys that I've played with there aren't even active. You know, the, the ones left, well, Pascal's the only one, but, you know, Fred, OG, you know, there's not many guys that's from the, that team that are still there. It would have been nice to be able to celebrate or be, you know, playing, competing against them or even have them presented to me. You know, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't expect Pascal to be clear, but um, I didn't think any of them would be there to present it to me at the time because everybody was in protocol. So, um, you know, it was a tough call, but it was the right one. Yeah, I'm with you, too. Like, I think I, I sent the tweet from the Yahoo account um, just kind of outlining your decision when um, you guys announced it inside the green room. And then I, I totally agree. Like, I think it was Harrison who said that you only get a couple of these in your career. You may as well do it right. And I'm sure like, you know, April comes around 20 K at Scotiabank. They're really going to give you the, the applause that you deserve because you're a huge part of that championship. And we're going to get to that. Well, let's actually, let's talk about your, your time in Toronto because you had a unique time. It was, it was one season. And I recall, we always ensured that you had a sandwich from bar hop available upon your arrival from practice. Is that one of the things you miss most about Toronto or is there something else? Uh, there's a lot of, there's a couple other things, um, but yes, the diversity of the food, which I mean, we still kind of have here in Philly too. We have some good restaurants and food, but, um, yes, the diversity of the people, the food, um, obviously the energy in the city, um, is a, is a different type of energy. Um, and regardless of the weather, it's the people there are just great and the energy there is always great. Um, but yeah, so there's many things that I do love and miss about the city. It's been a while since I've been back. And um, it's a very much looking for, I was looking forward to it this time around, but unfortunately couldn't make this trip. So I guess now I got to wait till April. When is uh, when was the last time you were in Toronto? Preseason was the the first time oh, I'd been yeah. there since COVID had happened. So COVID had happened a year and a half, two years ago, and then preseason we had a game. That was the first time back in that two year span or so, maybe maybe three years span, yeah. Did you, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how long you were in Toronto at the time, but did you, did you go anywhere? Did you do anything or was it pretty much? We went to Cactus Club to eat, but things were still not open like that. And it was a little gloomy and rainy and it's preseason. It wasn't, it's like, I think you guys were allowing uh, not 10% capacity, maybe 10,000 people, maybe half, maybe, maybe like 5,000. I don't know. It was low capacity. It was preseason. It was gloomy. The weather wasn't great and things were still kind of shut down. Yeah, we're around uh, that now again. We were at 20K, and now it's around, I think, 9 or 10 or half capacity at the very least. Happy went to Cactus Club. I know there was a legendary place um, in, during that season. You had mentioned a couple of times you went there, and then I think Kawhi went there with uh, Corey Joseph. That was during Kawhi Watch when everyone was, like, watching him, and there were helicopters everywhere. It was insane, but Cactus Club, that's a, I'm happy you got to, to go there at least for a minute, even though it was on a gloomy Gloomy day, which I'm sure you know. There's a lot of gloomy days in Toronto, but the summer times in Toronto are undefeated. I always maintain that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even with the gloomy days, though, it's still a great city. But yes, there are a lot of gloomy days in Toronto. When it comes to your uh, your basketball career, what was unique about your stop in Toronto? Obviously, the championship is there, but was there anything from the basketball standpoint that made it really stand out? From a basketball standpoint? Yeah, like, I mean, the championships, understandably, but like teammates, uh, management, coaches. Um, yes, for sure. The uh, Seeing outside of the Spurs organization um, that there are other great organizations as well that can run a great tight ship um, from medical side, from organs from the top to the bottom, 
Uh, they did things the right way, but also said playing for a different type of coach and outside the box thinking type of coach. And Nick Nurse, it was great. It was a lot of fun. It was free. I had a great time, great experience. Even though it was his first year as a head coach, um, I enjoyed my time playing for, for him. And he said he's been great since. And he's, um, you know, we always say hello, keep in touch. But he has a different way of thinking, different perspective, and it's effective. You know, he, 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 gets, it, he gets the job done. He's been doing very well since, even with, you know, low bodies, low numbers, guys leaving, not the same group there, not as much, you know, talent. They still have doing a hell of a job. So um, from a basketball standpoint, I think, you know, me playing for him and also playing for another organization outside of San Antonio and be able to see how, you know, different medical staff, different, you know, uh, front office and how good other teams are still and how updated, you know, teams are starting to follow suit. Obviously, they were the Spurs were like the, the blueprint. Now, you know, teams yeah. are kind of making their own way, but, you know, they're, they're doing it. I don't say doing it better, but you know, there are teams that are, that are an organization is doing just as well and running a great uh, situation, just as, as effective as San Antonio. You mentioned Nick Nurse, and I wanted to ask about your, your opinion on, on him specifically, because I, I imagine going from Pop to Nick Nurse, there was a really stark difference there between the coaching <laughs> styles and the personalities. Yes. Um, I guess, how was, uh, how was he unique? Um, as a coach, uh, Nick, what's it? He was, I mean, he was younger than Pop, not a, a bunch of, he is younger than Pop. He was younger than Pop. He still is younger than Pop, but um, he just seemed active. He was more active. I'm not saying Pop isn't active, but obviously he was more, I'm saying, involved. I, I don't know how to put this, but uh, you know, Pop is out there some. Pop does his workouts and stuff like that, but you know, Nick just seems like a younger guy. I guess I'm say more relatable, but yes, yeah, probably a little more relatable. Um, but it's just outside the, the box thinking. Um, mm -hmm. his way or his perspective of, of how to uh, see or approach the game, <clears throat> how do you want to approach certain teams was different. And it kind of threw them off. It kind of threw us off too, but um, it threw them off when we would throw things at them. So, and just, he was very free. So it was a lot of fun playing for him. You know, he had some of his dad jokes. His film sessions were good. <laughs> Frank Vogel was a big dad joke guy. He had, a, he was great with that, but uh, Nick was, he had some of his jokes. It's pretty, you know, fun, good energy. A young guy, you know, more relatable to those to, I guess, be around. You know, it's not saying we couldn't be around Pop. Pop is more, I guess, his presence is like a, a he's very, a, like a, it's very powerful and it's very. Yeah, there's an aura around uh, Pop, right? Yeah, it's an aura and he's, you know, it's an authority figure. You look at him as like the principal instead of like the gym teacher. I'm not saying Nick is the gym teacher, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the gym teacher is probably a little more sporty, fun, you know, that, that type of uh, analogy, if I, if I could. It's not words. bad though. I, I see what you're saying about that because the, the gym teacher is always the kind of the fun bit of a fun guy, someone that you can kind of confide with a little bit. And yeah, doesn't mean the gym teacher is any worse than the principal, but you know what I'm no. saying? They both do their jobs great and effectively, but the gym teacher is probably a little more laid back and, and the more fun, you know what I'm saying, to do things with. Um, sure. I'm not saying the principal can't have fun, but the principal is more of like, yo, this is what you need to be doing, this is your job. And they're just a little older, authoritative, you know, head figure um, that gives you some type of aura that gives you some fear and not saying people didn't respect Nick, but it wasn't like a, a fear of like how pop is when, when you, his presence is around. Like I was in one, one Greg Popovich uh, interview uh, scrum session and I was young mm -hmm. at the time and I was going to ask a question. It was like one of those things, like I just, I got to do this to make sure I can say that I did it and like overcome mm -hmm. my, I guess, fears. <laughs> and yeah. then the question before me, he reamed out some report. I'm like, never mind. 
Never mind. He was in Toronto. He just <laughs> did it. He like, it was out of nowhere. <laughs> he was yeah, just a crippling... he does that, then everybody else is scared to ask. People are love... scared to ask pop questions, even though he's he just likes to mess with the media. He's he's a great guy, especially off the court. Um, yeah. But he just likes to give people a hard time just to mess with you. But yeah, he takes it in good stride um, now. Anyway, he's, he's been great. He's always been great off the court. On the court, intense. Still, still a great coach. Gets the best out of you. But he loves to mess with the media. Have you ever seen Nick play the guitar? Yes, actually. Actually, I've seen him play the piano. I don't know about the guitar. I've seen him play the piano. Yes. He plays a couple of instruments. And it's impressive. Um, that was one of the things that, that he had a man of many, many talents. I've seen him carry his guitar around. He was working on his 10,000 hours during that time. He was trying to get great <laughs> at it. Um, but yeah, I've seen him play the piano effectively. The guitar, I think at that point, he was like picking it up and trying to get great at it. 10,000 hours? Is that like a thing that he had vowed to himself? He was going to spend 10,000 hours on the... I mean, you want to be a professional. He's the one that brought it i'm gonna say he would say it often but more often than other people you want to be professional at something you know put your ten thousand hours in oh you know? i see i see yeah. I guess I'm a, yeah that makes sense um so that's cool man i uh i've always found like i mean over the years i mean i think nick's creativity has kind of come out more more so especially with you know some of the injury issues last season and also this year too that <clears throat> he's having to like dig into his bag a lot and you're hearing and this kind of started during your championship run is that um, when like the box and one happened against Steph Curry. And now all of a sudden we're seeing a lot more zones happen on defense. Mm -hmm. And it kind of started with Nick. I, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm speaking out of turn here, but it feels like it started with Nick doing that more so in that year. Yeah, definitely. Um, he was, I won't say he was the first one, but I think it was pretty evident because he did it in the playoffs and he threw random stuff out in big games. People were like, are they in a three, two? Are they in a triangle in two? Like what's going on here? So when they saw that it was kind of effective, people were like, you know what, maybe we should just, you know, junk like we are low on bodies, low on numbers, or foul trouble, or whatever the case may be. You know, throw some, you know, junk up the game a little bit, you know, slow it up, muck it up a little bit by throwing a zone in there or have them, you know, on their heels or not trying to figure out what's going on. We'll put it in a box of one or a triangle too. Um, you know, he was one of the first guys to kind of like really implement it in his system and make it a big part of what he does. You know, people throw it out there once in a blue, but it was a big part of what he does. So a lot of part of his identity that made him different from Pop was um, his suits. He started wearing, he doesn't wear suits anymore, but he had the, the stylish suits back then. And oh, yeah. he always wore glasses on the bench, which, you know, I don't know if you know this about him. I don't know if you want to reveal this, but he doesn't need the glasses, but he wears them to, uh, for his, his mom, I think, to recognize him on the sideline in the games. Because at one time, I guess he didn't wear his glasses and she didn't recognize him she couldn't find him on the bench um because he didn't have his glasses so he wears his glasses on the bench but he doesn't need him but he used to be the stylish that's what made him the younger stylish coach more relatable because he used to wear the fashionable suits in the sideline too oh man that's so cool i had no idea about that i don't think he wears them uh too much anymore especially now that uh, the nba is yeah no they wear suits anymore now they, they don't have the guys they don't coach don't have to wear suits now they wear yeah. sweats so. not even not even glasses though. i don't think he even wears those too much either i, I, feel no? like, I don't think so um, but that's really interesting that uh, he did that for his mom. That's kind of sweet because there was a, a moment um, a couple of weeks ago when uh, he was asked about why he always squats. And I think you actually weighed in on a piece. I believe it was done by Yarn White Weitzman. And uh, mm -hmm. he was saying that yes, the squats, the reason, the squats. Yeah, the reason why he squats is because it was what he did when he was a kid. Because if you aren't squatting in front of the TV, you're going to hear about it from your parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he was known to do his squats. And somebody asked me, like, what do you think about him? And I was just like, I, honestly, during the time, um, didn't notice him as well. Because I don't know if you know, um, Coach Williams is a big squatter. 
Oh, yeah. Um, especially when he gets intense. I don't know if you see Coach Williams and nobody gets low. He gets in his defensive stance and his squat and he starts yelling. Um, so Nick has a, he has his uh, little go to squads, but uh, it's no comparison to Coach Williams. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. So on that uh, championship team, because I feel like, I mean, we talk about like the, the difference, different defenses that you're able to do. And with this Raptor team this season, there are so many young players. And to me, it feels like he's not able to be necessarily as creative because you just mm-hmm. don't have like the experience that you guys mm-hmm. had in that championship year. Like players that can just understand the reads and make the calls on the court. And mm-hmm. that's what made that team, I think, so unique is that there was an incredible veteran presence, like players who have been there, done that. And sure. I don't think that's really talked about enough. Like people like to poo poo on, you know, barely getting by the 76ers and, sure. you know, the Warriors are injured and all kind of stuff. But I feel like you guys are so battle tested that it didn't really matter who you're going to face. You're going to kind of figure it out. Yeah. I think that was a big part of us being successful. And um, obviously Nick being a defensive coach then now, I think then he was still learning the defensive, his tactics and curves and we kind of had to figure out how to run luckily we had some great defensive you know talent we had some prospects we had guys that have been on a defensive team from Kalo to Kawhi and myself Serge Mark and then Pascal you know up and coming and you know OG we had some guys that Norm yeah we had guys that could play defense and figure it out and said some veterans that that knew that that been there done that and had made a and defensive wanted to team. too and exactly wanted to play so. defense um, that, that was the underrated th- thing of us, I think, more than more so than anything. Um, so the defensive presence, the defensive pieces we had that can switch down the line and guard and figure it out. So he has a, he has that potential now. Um, so he doesn't have the veteranship, but he has the potential and the talent to, to figure it out or try to get it done or to experiment with it because he has mm-hmm. a lot of tall, long, athletic guys on the, that, that, that floor that are all like six eight, six nine, and have a long wingspan that can you know be effective defensively. I know it was only the preseason game, but did you kind of feel that length when you were on the court for, oh, for that, sure. that game? Well, yeah. yeah, we knew that. And, I, and I, even when uh, we played them in Philly, we saw some of it, not as much of it, but we're like, man, these, these guys, again, they out-rebounded us. We didn't have all our guys preseason, but, you know, when you're out there un, undersized, it showed pretty much a lot. Even when we had full bodies, they, they did a great job of getting on the glass and using their length defensively, switching it up. So yes, you can definitely feel. You know, they have a six five, six seven mm-hmm. point guard, you know, point guard six eight. Um, so yeah, that length you can definitely feel and, and uh, see it affecting your your flow of your offense and and your defense. So yeah, yeah. When you look back at that championship run, um, what would you define as your role on that team? Because to me, like I, I feel like when it comes to being a championship team, like you, everyone has to kind of have like their own little silo that they just like get an A plus on. And mm. because you can't have like too many scores, too many defensive players, too many sure. shooters. Everyone has to kind of fill in like a certain role that is needed to create a championship winning team. So what would you think, or what do you think is, what was your role in, in that run? I think for me, it's open. It's not always been, but for the most part, um, the last couple of years, I've just been the glue in terms of, you know, keeping everything even keel and, and relating messages and, and keep, you know, some, sometimes it's going to be frustrating situations, frustrating um, scenarios or matchups. Um, keeping some of the young guys confident, keeping some old guys, you know, not so frustrated and understanding what's the bigger picture type of thing. And, and, you know, sometimes head coaches and players aren't on the same page. Sometimes 
uh, not just all head coaches, but coaches and players were like, hey, why are we doing this? And, and I'm trying to get them to see the bigger picture and trying to come to a compromise. So my job really was to prepare them all year long, the younger guys uh, for that moment, even some of the young, older guys that hadn't been there, but also be the mediator, um, you know, relay the message and be the glue uh, in the locker room and keep guys positive and on the floor be a defensive presence, you know, um, you know, do all the little things that, that was necessary, the blue collar work for, you know, when, you know, Kawhi might need a break or Kayla might need a break. Um, you know, luckily Fred and Norm stepped up, had big, you know, roles in yeah. two different playoff series, but, you know, you got to be that, that glue in the locker room and on the court, be that defensive presence, even though I know plays aren't going to be run for me, but I'll uh, try to knock down shots when it's when it happens, when it comes, but defensively be that, that, that factor and, you know, get the 50, 50 balls, you know, do all the little things that, that it takes to win. Make winning plays. Excuse Make winning me. plays. You know, live in the moment. That was one of the lines that I kept on hearing during that run because myself, along with a few others uh, who were at the Yahoo at the time, we just we were following you guys, you know, from series to series to series. It was like a really cool opportunity that we had. And like at the end of it, I was tired, like all the flights, all the going mm -hmm. back and forth. So I can't imagine what it felt like for, for you guys. And it's one of the kind of the underappreciated parts of going through a run like that is like the travel mm -hmm. and just like how locked in you have to be game by game and dealing with the ups and downs, because there were certainly downs, you know, you, a couple of games you get, you know, blown out by Philly or by the box, but again, it's only one game and then you just move on to the next one. And that's a really hard skill to, to kind of master that it would take probably, I'm, I would imagine that in some of those games where you guys did lose by a lot to <laughs> seven, six or bucks, like that was kind of a place where you, road to kind of shine in a way to get everyone to get locked in for the next game. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it said it was a, quite an experience, experience, man. Um, it was a lot of, a lot of learning lessons throughout, even as a veteran player at that time, but, um, you know, it, it was fun and, you know, each game, each possession, each situation mattered and was necessary. And we yeah. learned from it, grew from it and we came together more and more, the more we needed to, in those losses and we won lost by a lot or lost by a little bit and even in the wins, but for sure the losses, you know, you, you um, learn a lot faster and it sets in more. Did you learn anything during that championship run? Of course, just, I mean, a lot about my teammates and our character and character by myself, but you know, every game is a learning lesson. Um, yeah. There was games where uh, I would be missing a lot of shots and just, you know, hit a big one at the end of, you know, just keep the confidence high and stay ready. Don't stop shooting and 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 you no know, defensively. So be active, be do what you do, but offensively just be ready when it comes and 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 don't think or hesitate. Uh, I think that takes even more years. It takes years of maturity to forget the last play, even in big mm -hmm. moments. Um, you know, there was a play where I had a bad turnover, and you know, luckily my team held me down and, and made big stop for us to still win the game. Um, so, you know, things like that, you got to just let that last play go and try to keep moving and try to make better the next play. I remember that uh, game against the Bucs. It was game three, I believe. And uh, that was a game that you were struggling a little bit. But then I believe Nick said to you going into OT at some point, he's like, Dane, I need you to make one. And then mm -hmm. you did. And it was a huge one. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of speaks to what you're talking about is that like, you know, the last shot didn't go in, that's fine, but now there is a new shot and there's a new moment and there's a new opportunity and you just have to execute. And that was a big shot because that game three, like it was going up and down. And I mean, obviously if you go down three, Oh, like that kind of yeah. was on the wall and you guys For sure. just clawed and toughed it out. It was, it was really impressive. That was a game that I thought I felt like you guys were, that was really going to happen because I didn't think you guys point. won that game. 
Yeah. Yeah, that was the turning point because that was the game we needed to win. It was a close one, and you needed that first home win. If you don't get that first one, I said, if you go down 3-0, that's tough. You needed both, but we need to get the first one out the way for it. We had each game is important. You got to take it one game at a time. But yeah, nights like that is what helped me become who I am today. Like there was nights of the night here, even at year 13. I'm having off games. I'm struggling. I was in Boston, shooting air ball. And it's fourth quarter. We're losing this game. I'm probably yeah. like one for seven at this point. But if I don't have that confidence or have those experiences from the past, I don't take that that next one and go two for eight and put us up, you know, three. So, you know, experiences like that help you grow as a player always, um, no matter what year it is or how many years you've played or what scenario situation, you know, playoffs. But obviously playoffs help even more. But um, I learned a lot, you know, every year, especially you know, in playoff runs. You mentioned something about, you know, missing the last shot. And that's I think that's something that's really uh, prevalent with shooters, guys who are paid to put the ball in the hoop from the three-point line or whatever. Like that's like their identity. And that's obviously the case. Or one of the you know bigger parts of your game is – you know, being able to make shots. And yeah. when it doesn't go in, like how is the mentality different for a shooter versus maybe someone else? Because everyone goes through cold streaks, but being able to like rebound, I think it was um player on the heat, Max Rouse, who said that, um, you know, getting through those kinds of slumps, it's not physical, it's mental. For sure. Definitely. I think the biggest thing when you're young, it's different than when you're older. Um, and also a bit different on your confidence level. A lot of guys who stay confident are like, you know, I'm getting the next one and put it up and it's going in. I don't care. I'm not missing anymore. Some guys think, uh, you know, let me find a good one. Let me get a good rhythm, a good one where I likely just get back to my fundamentals, make sure I'm open so I'm not rushing it. Um, all those things matter. All those things count, especially if you're not in rhythm, if you're off. You want to get a good wide open look. You take your time and stick to your fundamentals and then figure out. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What, what the situation or what's wrong or what might be lacking. If you're lacking legs or a follow-through, if it's short, if it's long, uh, most of the time it's usually because it's short and you play the back-to-back and you play a lot of minutes, so you're fatigued um, or you're not holding your follow-through. But I think the biggest thing is, is building that confidence, that maturity to, to forget the last one. Just think, if I get this next one, it's going in. Regardless if I'm in a slump or not, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it up and I got you. It's my job out here. Because if I stop shooting, guess what? I don't have to guard me and I'm not helping my team. I'm doing my team a disservice if I'm not shooting mm. the ball. That's probably a big mental hurdle to go through is sure. realizing that you have to you have to take the next one, even though maybe you missed the previous four. Yeah, definitely. You got to, you can't stop shooting though. You got to continue to put the ball up. When you look at the the three championships you won and like the rosters that, I mean, they're three very different rosters with, with the Spurs, mm -hmm. with the Lakers and the Raptors, I guess, how was that Raptors team different from the other two? Or if 
maybe they weren't, but. No, they were. Um, and I think the, the, the difference and, and that the similarities in all of them is that the depth, the bench was always great. But I think the Raptors team, I think we had outside of San Antonio, even San Antonio, we just, we played extremely well offensively moving the ball. Defense, you guys were off too. the chain. That was an unbelievable defensively team. Defensively, <laughs> too. Yeah, oh, defensively man. too, but I, I just think we had more de- defensive threats on Toronto. Um, yeah. If you looked at it, um, you looked down the line of how many guys that were all defensive team. Uh, we had more in San Antonio and LA. We had maybe a couple, but we had so many vets in LA. You know, what I'm saying there's a lot of older guys, a lot of vets. We had a mix of young and you know some younger, some younger vets on our team in Toronto. But I think if you look at the differences. We were very deep, but we had a, a very so a lot of depth on the defensive side of the floor. Mm. So that that's the only difference that I can see that was different. And we did, we did it without OG. And OG, he said, if you look at the line, like if you go over the teams that I played on championship teams and you said, who do you think would win if you had all these guys in their prime? That Toronto team is is one hell of a team. <laughs> you know, you yeah. get Marcus Saul, Serge, Kawhi, Kalo, myself, Fred, Norm, OG, who didn't play, Pascal. That's a hell of a depth chart of guys in their prime. I'm not saying that LA we had a lot of great veterans too in their prime. It's it's just a different mesh though. You know, I just don't know if that will go well together. You know, not necessarily that the talent. It's just sometimes talent don't fit. I see Lakers now. Um, not saying yeah. that they're not working or struggling, but it's just different. It's hard to make everything fit into place. And I think with the pieces we had, we made it fit pretty well. Um, I think that. Besides San Antonio, I think it was one of the better fits that, of teams that I've been around um, outside of San Antonio. Like San Antonio, obviously, we, we had a lot of – played the European-type basketball, move the ball, find each other. That was the best type of basketball that there was. And we started that trend of, you know, drop, kick, swing, looking, you know, find the next guy, extra yeah. one. Um, but in Toronto, defensively, I think we were one of those teams, if you looked at in the prime, were untouchable. And there was no <clears throat> selfishness, it seems like with the Spurs team for sure, because like that's the brand of basketball you guys played is drive, kick, mm-hmm. swing, 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 find the open man. And obviously there's unselfishness that goes with that too. And but with the mm-hmm. Raptors team, it feels like it was very similar, but I think it was, it was in a different way. Maybe I'm, I'm not accurate with that, but it's hard to say, oh, just like, sure. I guess, be, being around similar. the team. That's, that's, that was a yeah, similarity between That's how Nick uh, coached us. That's all we did was drive, kick, swing. And I'm sure he does it now. They get to the paint, they get a layup or they get a three. And they find each mm-hmm. other, they play for it, and that's why they're able to compete in, against these big, better teams and still be uh, above water or stay afloat because of how well they play defense and offensively how they play for each other. So they took that that Spurs type of mentality and brought it over there, and, and that's what made it easy for, for a lot of us to adjust to and a lot of fun to play for. Does he keep, keep in contact with some of the, the guys from that championship team? For sure. I came in contact with all of my guys, man. OG, for sure, a lot. I mean, I talked to Fred. And you guys are boys, man. You can see it. <laughs> you and OG. Get a chance to, yeah, whenever I get a chance to chop it up with him, he'll FaceTime me randomly. Uh, he'll send me a random video or message from when I was there that he found in his, his files. Um, but I talked to Fred some. I talked to Norm some. Kalo, whenever I seen those, Kalo's my dog. They're all, my, you know, we play against each other still. We see them often. I just seen CJ. It was good to see him back. He was in Boston. We played in Boston uh, about yeah, a week that's ago. that's awesome. Um, so yeah man it was great to see whenever I see those guys we always chop it up but I keep in touch with them here and there to see how they don't follow my uh, social media and you know we tap in once in a while but I talk to a lot of those guys via text quite often 
Is that something that you do typically? Because I'm finding that, you know, through um, some of my research and some of the interviews that uh, we've done at Yahoo and we're talking to other Raptors players, alumni players, and they're all kind of saying that it does feel like there's a bit of a, a Raptors fraternity in some ways that because the experience is so unique and obviously yours is because you want a championship, but mm -hmm. kind of the people that they bring into the, the franchise, they're really mm -hmm. good people. And that's kind of what I was getting at with the unselfishness of that championship mm -hmm. team is that everyone, they seem like really good, genuine people. Definitely. I think the league has, has migrated that way from, you know, I guess the, the, the bad boy days, they're like, they'll take a good guy over a more talented guy that's, you know, a knucklehead. So that the whole league has changed in that factor. But yes, mm -hmm. in San Antonio, we had that. In Toronto, we had that. But I think there's just some type of bond of fraternity. So I was only there for a year. But when it comes to championship caliber team or championship teams or championship caliber teams, you got to seem to bond more and know that you guys have a great group that could have done something special. And during that, those battles, even if you don't win, you know, you remember those battles of, you know, we could have did this or we almost had this or, you know, it's just a more meaningful season for you and you just, you know, connect well with the, that group of guys. So um, I think the fraternity for me is more so with the championship teams and the teams that I've had pretty good runs with that were championship caliber teams. And those are the guys that I've, I've bonded with. And, and you know, yeah. obviously I've been with some teams longer than others, but um, even though we won year in LA, one year in Toronto, I bonded with those guys, those championship teams. We won a championship together. We were in battles. We were in the, I was in the bubble with LA. In Toronto, we, we were in a lot of tough battles. Um, and San Antonio, there was a couple teams that were, you know, really good and, and went to the finals twice and went to the conference finals once. Uh, but we were together for three or four years. Um, here in Philly, I felt like we had a really good shot last year. Uh, and, you know, this oh, year, yeah. obviously, downs, COVID. Um, you know, if I didn't go out in the Atlanta series, I feel like things might have been a little different. But, you know, things happen. And now this year, it's a totally different story. But even though we, we have ups and downs and, and people out, we've bonded even more because of the, the past experiences. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a definitely fraternity with the Toronto people. But I think it's a fraternity within, you know, every team that has a, a, a fighting chance or a good chance at, at doing something special. Do you still have CJ's PJs? I, I don't. I used to, I, I oh. actually... I, I had them somewhere. I might have given them to a friend. I think a friend needed to borrow them one day. I, somebody came to visit and was like, I need some something, you know, chilling or sleeping. And I think I gave it to a friend. And, you know, obviously people never give things back. So, no, no don't I don't have CJ's PJs anymore. But that was one of my favorite. That was dope. Or that's the game. It was, it was a dope thing. It was fun. And that was one of the things where I, that's when I learned about you a little bit too, because that was a time where CJ was struggling a little bit with the shot. And mm -hmm. you come out rocking his PJs as like a show of support for your guy. I'm like, Dane's a unique one. That's a good dude right there. Yeah, yeah but I always try to show love to all my team. And mind you, Dre, I got to get some Andre stuff because he has a, a clothing line. But Fred, I used to wear Fred stuff all the time too. Anybody yeah. that has, had Norm stuff, everybody had something. Norm had to understand the grind. Pascal had the spicy stuff. So I tried to support my teammates and all of them and everything that they did, not just on the court, but off the court. Um, we had fun. I had a fun time in Toronto, man. It was a blast. And I still try to do that to this day. But, yeah, it's, you know, CJ was my guy. And I, I was playing with and against CJ since high school before he got drafted. We were in the you know, McDonald's okay. game together. So I've known CJ for a long time. But during that time, definitely got to support your teammates, um, especially in struggle. But, you know, even when they're doing well, I just try to, you know, support them everything they did. Who has the best merch? Who has the Ooh. best merch? Ooh. The best I mean, merch – 
throughout the league or from that team? From that team, from the Raptors fraternity that I, we're I talking about. I want to say I enjoy Fred's uh, the bet on yourself. So yeah. just a little bit. I, I wouldn't say that those were bad. Spicy P was still coming up. He had some stuff, but Norm had some decent stuff. His his grew a lot since then. Um, mm-hmm. But I would think back then Fred had some some pretty good, some pretty dope stuff. Um, so yeah, probably he put Fred. some TLC into it. His mm-hmm. his brand, and I'm still waiting for Pascal to like fully launch his 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 brand or his, his merchandise. Spicy yeah, yeah, he hasn't done it. Like he wears it for himself. I'm like, why are you wearing it on the podium? Like, give it to the people. <laughs> we want it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You got especially in Canada, and they, they eat that up, they love it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Kyle Lowry does not have any merch, but um, he does have his own brand. He does have sure. a logo, his logo is fire. His logo is oh, fire. it is true. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. What, um, mm-hmm. what was what's your lasting memory of playing with Kyle? Um, what was unique just, about him as a point guard, as a person? I remember um, just, um, as a, I mean, as a great, great teammate, great person, point guard. Loved playing for him because he he pitched ahead. He got the ball out fast and he pace is big when you're a trans. I'm a transition shooter, so <clears throat> you need that pace. And, and that's why I thrived with Ben when he was here last year uh, with mm. us. But you know, the pace and him getting the ball to the floor and putting pressure on the, t- on the paint and finding guys and just his IQ, his IQ level. And defensively, he was another such great defense, taking charges, getting there, sticking his nose in there, a gritty guy. Um, one of my last memories of him is, is is how people used to dog him and Demar about not showing up in the playoffs and not getting right home. And in that series or in that stretch, I think his grandmother had passed, and yeah. he just took it to the level. And, you know, Fred had something. He just had his baby, his first baby, and I think he's had his grandmother pass. And they both came out to to fight, man. They came out gunning, and it would be huge for us. I remember him coming after that finals game six, hot hot as a pistol that dude was lighting them up in that first quarter in that first half so mm. i remember him overcoming that and overcoming that mantra of not being able to um you know get over uh, that hump or not show up in the playoff time and, and him actually uh, executing and playing extremely well to where he won a championship and understanding you know why uh, Masai did what he did but also letting the fans know and letting people know that you know this guy's a hall of famer and and rightfully so, he shows up in big moments. On that run, I, I imagine, like you've said that you, yourself, that you learned a lot. And it seems like there were a few players, like you guys got better every single round. Um, you got more confident, stronger, and that obviously goes to the players too. Um, with Kyle, how do you find that he kind of improved um, on the court, off the court? Um, I remember after the, I think it was game five, went against the Bucks. I was outside your locker room and there's like a, mm-hmm. a table with you know some refreshments and snacks and stuff like that. So you get yourself, mm-hmm. uh, you're hydrated and whatnot. And he was whistling going to the locker room. I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> uh, I think on the court, um, he learned to, I'd say live in the moment more, but just kind of calm down, not stress. Um, you know, over certain situations, certain plays or one possession. I think that's what he got. You get in his own head sometimes. I think he learned to not get in his own way because he's a special player. And if he just plays and not thinks about it, that's most guys. Um, you know, the true them and the greatness of them will come out. Uh, off the court, um, I don't know if you heard any stories about him, but Kyle's known to have a little edge to him in the locker room and sometimes you know, you with mean? the coach staff. <laughs> you know, so he. And he's kind of a guy that, you know, it will give you a little some tension, some friction. Um, I think he learned during that run and during that year to kind of just, I wouldn't say take a back seat, but to buy in more. 
um, off the court um, with the coaching staff, with the group, and start to believe and just let things happen, understand it, and, and not be as Kyle as he as he normally would be in the locker room, you know, with 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 those guys, I guess. Mm. Do you think that kind of switch happened throughout the season, or was it during the during the yeah, playoffs? Yeah, I think it happened like toward the end of the season. I would say right, right during the trade. Actually, probably during the trade deadline. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it happened when we started making some moves and we got Mark, and then he started seeing. You know, he, he started making that change like before then, and then right around that time, things started buying in a little more. But yeah, he seemed to make a, a quick change, and, and he always. He may give you friction, but he always listens. He always hears and always changes his actions. And his words may say something different. I think him, he started changing his words and and I guess yeah. how he, I guess, I guess spoke in terms of being a leader and a captain on in the locker room for us because he always showed him. Of course, his actions always showed he's a leader. Yeah. Um, sometimes his words or sometimes his tension, sometimes his friction or sometimes his debates. Or his, you know, non belief in certain systems or approaches spoke differently, um, you know, in practice or in the locker room. But I think he changed that tune um, throughout the season. Um, the following the the championship year, he was an all star, and I recall him on the podium. He was talking to NBA TV or something like that, and they asked him about Nick Nurse. And one thing that stood out to me is that he said that Nick Nurse, he's not afraid to be wrong. Mm-hmm which seems like a really important quality if, if you're trying to be like more of a player coach. And I think kind of the NBA is sure. going towards that a little bit more is that, you know, players like a player like you, a player like Kyle, you guys have been in the league for a long damn time. You guys have yeah. knowledge to, to provide coaches, to provide teammates and what and whatnot. And I feel like there was part of that switch was obviously with the Marcus all trade. And he realized like, okay, this is getting like legit, like we're on now. Um, but sure. also I think him and Nick kind of found a really good report. Yes, Definitely. Um, and sometimes it takes family fighting to, to get, have a newfound yeah. respect for each other and friends. You know, sometimes you fight one day, be fr- best friends the next day. Sometimes it takes a big fight for a newfound respect to happen. And I think they've had enough of those little debates and battles to where they were like, you know what? We understand that, you know, this has worked for us. We're still we're doing well. We see the bigger picture. Um, we're going to put our heads together, respect each other and, you know, go that route. Um, so, yeah, around that time, you start to buy in more. Um, I think him and Nick had a great rapport. They started building the rapport. Um, but what was the first part of that question? I feel like there's something else you said that kind of touched on a point that I wanted to speak on. Um, just how like uh, Nick perhaps listening more to Kyle helped him. Oh, him um, kind not of... being afraid to be wrong. That's a, yeah, that that's is a it. Very that was yeah, quality. that quote. Yeah, that's a very big quality. And a lot of those, a lot of old school coaches don't have that. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, even new school coaches. Not a lot of coaches are going to say I'm wrong. You know what I'm saying? And not a lot of people will say that wrong or apologize. They'll give you a, a random indirect way of doing it. But Nick was not the, he's not the type of guy. He wasn't afraid. And his coaching staff were very open mm-hmm. to listening and learn. And he asking me like, yo, what do you, what, what have you experienced? And that was new for me. I didn't get that. He was in San Antonio. I, mm-hmm. I was, I was younger in San Antonio and they were older staff doing it for a long time. Um, so and obviously this is more of a newer staff as Nick's first year, but they would ask input and you would have some meetings and, and for me to go give input and for them to actually look at me and, you know, what your experiences and have a say so, have an opinion was, uh, it was very new, uh, refreshing and, uh, you know, a fun role and place to be in. And just like now I have a lot of, with Doc, I have a lot of fun doing that. And, and, and it, I guess it's, I wouldn't say refreshing, but it's, it's an important role, but it's, a, it's, it's fun. I learn a lot more about myself and 
even when I'm not involved in certain things, it makes me feel more involved and it feels like I'm able to help our group regardless if I'm playing or not. It makes me feel like a important piece to our group to be able to coach on the sidelines or relay messages or be able to be a mediator or be able to give my input and experience on some certain things that may work or may be better for our group. And that's, I mean, like you mentioned with the Raptors round, like that's a really important role. It's not something that is, it shows up on the box scores by any means, but it's like in the locker room, it's things that people like me, fans, we don't really see how mm-hmm. you're able to contribute and how you're able to help your teammates grow um, on the court, off the court to understand situations. And mm-hmm. it seems like that's something that the NBA is trending towards, obviously. And I think it's probably for the best because a player like you, a player like Kyle, um, Serge, um, you guys are all in different places now unfortunately it would be nice if you guys were all in toronto because you guys go for another another run here but uh yeah it's i think it's an important step for the nba as a whole to make is to kind of trust these veterans because they probably are able to relay information differently to some of the younger players or some of the players who are a couple years in the league than the coach would i think it's a big important piece and more important not just related message but because you gotta it's a trust system and as much as we trust the coach i think they have to trust the players too because the people out there on the court are the guy like we know how and we've played against a lot of these guys since aau high school mm. and we may know how to guard them better than you know I'm saying we're out we know what works we know what we're more comfortable doing as a group so you got to be on be able to have an open conversation of you know, what do you guys feel comfortable doing are you guys capable of doing this you know sometimes you tell a you know, group to do this and they're like Yo, i don't think we can you know since they're probably not believing it because it's like, yeah, I don't think we can do that. I don't think we're capable of doing that. Yeah. Uh, of all five of us getting that done. And maybe we do this. I think this makes it simpler. I think this makes it easier for us. Um, so, yeah, I think that open dialogue and that trust factor goes both ways, more importantly, um, for the coaches about trust players. Be like, yo, I know you've guarded this guy for a long time. What do you think? Or what do you feel comfortable doing? And if that doesn't work, then we'll try this. Or we'll try this, and then you know we will switch to what you might think we should do. So mm. I, I think it's very important on both sides to have that trust factor. How much trust do you have in Freddie Jr.? Because I feel like he <laughs> deserves a championship ring. Oh, for sure. A, a very small one as well. Big trust. Big trust. He's he's a big part of, of you know, why we got to where we are. I said he definitely deserves a pendant. Um, you know, Freddie got hot after Freddie Jr. was born and he played unbelievably. And that was his coming out party. And from since that day, he's been an all-star level player. So Freddie Jr. deserves an NBA jersey and a pendant. <laughs> yeah, man. Who knows this year? Maybe maybe Fred could be an all-star. We'll have to see how things shake yeah, exactly. out. I thought it was going to happen last year, too, but uh, didn't end up going that way, unfortunately. But this year. Yeah, I think if they, they win enough games, he definitely, you know, they just have to win enough games to to keep him keep him afloat to for those guys to make it um he's definitely put up the numbers he's a winning player he does his job the right way he's also a level player it's just about the team record i think at that point is it a thing for you to to drench the media with champagne after you win a championship because i recall um i was actually outside the locker room in golden state or in oakland mm-hmm. and you came out and you were telling people to get your poncho because you're spraying the <laughs> spraying people, but then you did it again uh, in, in after the, the LA championship. LA. Yeah. yeah, so is that a thing? Else to spray in there. It, was, it wasn't. So I mean, the bubble was the bubble. It was only just us in the locker room. There was not many people else. So it wasn't like we could celebrate on the floor with our families like that and spray a bunch of the, the family. Um, I don't know if it's a thing. I don't. I don't know why. I just think it just comes to me. So, but I guess it is a thing. So if, I, if we win another one, the media be ready because you're yeah. going to catch part of that celebration too. 
and it stings too the champagne i didn't get any yeah. on, on me unfortunately i would have oh, wouldn't have minded especially but, in the eye it's, it's, yeah. that's why you get the goggles <laughs> Yeah, exactly. There's that photo. Um, again, I was watching an episode of uh, of you and Harrison after the championship, and we gave you a, we gifted you a photo of uh, you with holding the the championship. And you're just like, oh, that's a nice photo, but you didn't get the photo of me with my Puma shirt and my goggles on. And I know the photo you were talking about. I didn't yeah. for the record. I didn't. I wasn't the one who chose the photo. I was. I asked someone to get the photo, but that was a photo that I wanted to use of you with like your goggles on, your drench of champagne, and all that stuff. So. Yeah, man. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a iconic photo for me because obviously I just became a Puma representative at that point and go have my own special Puma goggles. Um, instead of all the trophy, um, it was it was a fun time. It was exciting, and I, I enjoyed it very much. We actually found someone to take your your shoes because you gifted us a pair of Pumas to put on our our Yahoo <clears throat> Sports Canada set. But the mm-hmm. problem was that like we didn't know anyone who had the same size feet as you because like when you got pretty big feet but we did <laughs> yeah. find someone though we found someone and he's uh, he's enjoying those shoes just so nice you. nice i'm glad somebody could put, yeah. put them in use what's um what's your toronto tattoo like i know, I know you got a tattoo with all the championships what are the details in that toronto one around the ring championship oh um you know i kind of i gave him ideas i gave each one of them ideas of how i wanted to be i like them kind of freestyle but i wouldn't say freestyle it actually was a lot of me designing me putting the pieces and then kind of designing it how they want the pieces to be. Um, so the LA one has like a little LA background, but I wanted the globe to be universal studios type thing. So I don't want the trophy to be the main character. I wanted the city, the team and all that be the man and have the trophy in it, but like kind of not like a background thing, but just kind of blended. So in Toronto, I was like, you know, to represent, I need, I need obviously a Raptor. I need a, to get blue in there. If we can get a, a good picture of blue, that'd be dope. We need the trophy. I want some scratches somewhere. They put the Toronto team symbol on the trophy of the ball. Um, and you know, he he came up with the maple leaf. So he put the maple leaf in there. And I was like, we gotta get the we gotta get the building, the CN Tower. We gotta get the, the, the thought about even putting little, putting a little Drake on the, the views uh CN Tower, but so we gotta get the CN Tower somewhere and we gotta put the little six, the little six somewhere. So you know, we did all we, when he put it together. His vision came out dope. You had the raptor wrapped around the trophy, with the, the Toronto symbol and the trophy of the ball, and the ball of the trophy. And you got the maple leaf on the bottom and twenty the nineteen. He didn't put twenty nineteen. Had to put we put twenty nineteen. Put the nineteen on the bottom. Yeah. And he had the same tower shooting up, and he got the scratches. You know, through the city, and um, he also got the little six, the little six um on the elbow. So he did an amazing job of putting that together you know i, I gave him the, the ideas and pieces he, he did he put it together himself which was dope this is Gandy green man thank you so much for joining me it was much and, appreciated uh, um really nice long, chat for sure we gotta do this again sometime i appreciate you yeah and uh hopefully you know april comes around and we're in a much different world <laughs> and you'll get that applause and um praying, you'll get the ring the way you're, you're supposed to yeah praying and hoping hopefully we have clear skies in april man it'd be nice clear clear country so Hopefully see you there, man. Not what I can't promise about. clear skies, but I tell you that because Toronto, we're, <laughs> we're, we're everywhere right now. And no, in April, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. Standing Green, 76ers forward, shooting guard, kind of both. Who knows in the NBA these days? Kind of everything. Exactly. Um, Big shout out to Harrison and Anja making this happen. You know, those are my guys inside the green room. Make sure y'all tune in. Yes. Um, much love to Toronto and Canadian Canada, all of Canada and Canadian sports. Um, it's been a pleasure being on the show, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you, Amjad, for helping make this happen. It's much appreciated.
Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.